dear, dear, how queer everything is today. And yesterday things went on just as usual. I wonder if I've been changed in the night. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh Canada. If you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut, HelloFresh will bring you fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. That means veggie skewers and couscous for me and Mediterranean chicken for Frank and Tito. Go to the link in the show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. <coughs> Hello, welcome back to the History Obscura Reading Room. Here at the estate, we are weathering hurricane season yet again, and despite all the soggy towels steaming in front of the fireplace, all is quite well. After all, the eternal candle keeps us lit even in the darkest, stormiest of nights. So, I believe you have come for a story? Well then. Once upon a time, in May of 1889, a boy sat in a hut in the woods, reading his Bible as he read, he was interrupted by a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered. She asked him what he wanted most of all. The boy was frightened, but he answered the woman and said that most of all he wanted to help other people, especially sick children. He decided he would like to be a missionary. The next night... After a complaint from his schoolteacher, the boy's father ruthlessly tested him for spelling, eventually knocking him out of his chair in exasperation. At that point, the boy, Edgar, heard the voice of the lady who had appeared the day before. She told him that if he could sleep a little, they could help him. He begged his father for a rest and put his head on top of his spelling book to sleep. When his father came back into the room and woke him up, Edgar found that he knew all the answers within the book. In fact, he could repeat anything that was in the book. Edgar seemed to have gained the ability to fall asleep on top of books and awaken knowing all the facts and illustrations recorded therein. In time, Edgar used all his school books this way. By 1892, Edgar Casey's teacher regarded Casey as his best student. Edgar told the teacher that he saw pictures of the book's pages in his head. Shortly after this, young Edgar was struck on the base of the spine by a ball in a school game, after which he began to act very strangely. His parents put him to bed, and when he went to sleep, he diagnosed the cure to his ailment, which his family prepared and which cured him as he slept. 
Edgar Cayce, later known as the Sleeping Prophet, believed that his subconscious mind was connected to the dream realm where minds were timelessly connected. It was an idea we may now call a universal consciousness. Edgar would lie down and enter a state of altered consciousness, which allowed him visions of the future, as well as the ability to diagnose illness and prescribe a cure. Edgar Cayce lacked much formal education, but in the 1920s he became a Sunday school teacher. He also began faith healing, using a combination of spiritual readings and homeopathic medicine. Many of his cures were said to have been accomplished long distance. In 1925, he settled in Virginia Beach, where he established a hospital as well as the Association for Research and Enlightenment. He also made prophecies, including the destruction of New York City in California, and claimed to be able to recall past lives. In February of 1925, during a reading for a 26-year-old physician, Casey told the young doctor that he would soon find himself in possession of a great deal of money. The reading advised the individual to exercise caution and discretion in caring for his wealth, especially in the face of adverse forces that will come then in 1929. In March of 29, that's six months before the stock market crashed, a New York stockbroker was given a severe warning by Casey of the impending great disturbance in financial circles that was about to take place. Casey said, We may expect a considerable break in bear market. See, this issue being between those of the reserves of nations and of individuals, and will cause, unless another of the more stable banking conditions come to the relief, a great disturbance in financial circles. This warning has been given, see? In 1935, Edgar Casey warned a 29-year-old freight agent of catastrophic events that were building within the international community. He said, As to the affairs of an international nature, these we find are in a condition of great anxiety on the part of many, not only as individuals but as to nations. And the activities that have already begun have assumed such proportions that there is to be the attempt upon the part of groups to penalize or to make for the associations of groups to carry on the same. This will make for the taking of sides, as it were, by various groups or countries or governments. This will be indicated by the Austrians, Germans, and later the Japanese joining in their influence and gradually growing to those affairs where there must become almost a direct opposition to that which has been the theme of the Nazis, for these will gradually make for a growing number of animosities. The whole world will be set on fire by the militaristic groups and those that are for power and expansion in such associations. He was particularly fascinated by medicine, and the legendary lost city of Atlantis. In 1938, Edgar Cayce predicted the discovery of a road that led to the ancient temples of Atlantis. 
He believed that Atlantis had been the first civilization that was technologically superior even to that of modern society. He added that its last surviving islands have disappeared somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean around 10,000 years ago. He claimed that the Atlanteans were well-versed in technology that harnessed the power of the quantum world. This included the use of crystals and sound waves for healing. Elevators and connecting tunnels operated there with compressed air and steam, and the Atlanteans used quartz crystal science to mine gold, copper, and silver from the Earth. Atlanteans were also adept at the use of silicon chips at levels unrivaled in the modern world. They were familiar with the amplification power of crystals in laser technology and memory chips. Also, according to Edgar, they made extensive use of mass mental telepathy, psychokinesis, and astral projection into fourth-dimensional consciousness. According to Casey, two rival parties fought for control of the Atlanteans in its final days. One was the Children of the Law of One, who wanted to return to spiritual stewardship of the land based on natural laws. The other group, the Sons of Belial, wanted to exploit natural resources for material gain. The chief focus of their conflict was a third class of dull, half-awake, quote-unquote, subhumans that the sons of Belial used for slave labor. The children of the Law of One wanted to enlighten these sub-beings by raising their consciousness. However, the sons of Belial wanted to keep them in ignorance and exploit them for their own gain. Casey revealed that before the legendary land disappeared under the waves, there was an exodus of many Atlanteans to ancient Egypt. He attributed the biblical great flood of Noah to be a result of the sinking of the last huge remnants of Atlantis. He also revealed that the many Atlanteans that managed to escape had hoped to preserve a record of their civilization. Thus, they created two separate archives with all their history and accomplishments so they could preserve them. According to Casey, the Atlanteans buried this under the left paw of the Great Sphinx of Cairo. It has been called the Hall of Records. The Hall of Records is said to house piles of documents, scrolls, and other materials with information regarding the lost continent of Atlantis and even extraterrestrials. Some believe that works from the Lost Library of Alexandria can be found there. Edgar Cayce said, A portion of the temples of Atlantis may yet be discovered under the slime of ages and seawater near Bimini. Expected in 68 or 69, not so far away. He also believed that the Hall of Records would be discovered before the end of the 20th century. Well, Casey died in 1945 and was not present, at least in physical form, to see whether his future predictions would hold true. 
In fact, in 1968, a scuba diver off the coast of North Bimini Island in the Bahamas discovered something amazing. It was a series of stones that lay 18 feet below the surface of the sea. The stones appeared man-made and were evenly spaced, seemingly fashioned symmetrically into a gigantic roadway. Decades later, archaeologists found rooms and tunnels underneath the Great Sphinx, but the Egyptian director of antiquities does not allow excavation in that area for any reason. Thank you for listening. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash history obscura, or check out the show links to see how to buy us a nice cup of tea. Either way, your support is very much needed and appreciated. Good night. Good night.